Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Jose, and I'm excited to have a conversation about Sunday's message with two of my friends, Sean, good morning, Paulina, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And Sean, you had a great message on Noah and how God makes a way. So I'd love to hear how you got there from the assignment, which was looking at Noah's covenant and uh, how you came about God as Waymaker. Yeah, it was actually an evolution throughout the course of the week from when I decided or when you let me know I was going to be teaching on that. And my initial thought was really, obviously, Noah, the covenant, the ark, grape, what's the promise in that? And my first thought was protection, that because God did protect Noah and he protected his family um, but I think protection gets a an interesting rap in our culture. Like I, it's easy for us to think, all right, protection means I'm going to be safe all the time, mm-hmm. and there's not going to be trouble. Hardship, the, yeah. yeah. And the, and there are verses in the God is our protector. He is there. There are promises about Him being our protector. But the interesting thing in Noah's story is that man, he he didn't protect him in the sense that we would think, oh, everything's going to be great. I mean, yeah. the guy had to build a boat for decades yeah. and, and then, people made fun of him yeah mm-hmm. and they had to have been making fun of him they had to, probably had to give every resource he had to build the the ark i mean i can't imagine how expensive that thing was to build and uh and then there was destruction mm-hmm. and so how do you talk about god's promise of protection in the midst of all of that destruction and then well, as the course of the week went along and prayer went along i realized you know what what really the promise of god being a waymaker through difficulty resonates more to me through this story and honestly through the story of my life as well so we kind of kind of shifted a little bit and that's the promise that we mm-hmm. focused on yeah mm-hmm. that that's so good because the ark as you said on sunday is this vessel of salvation that saves noah and his family but on, not only that saves all of humanity through his family, and uh, washes away the wickedness, so they really are above all the wickedness, uh, the consequences of, of humanity's sin. And uh, so really, the way that you camped out on God making a way through trouble, I know resonated with me yeah. and everyone else. It's the story of the Bible. You cited Isaiah and the Psalms. Let's uh, first, though, talk about um, our own experience. How has God made a way in, in your life? I'd love to hear from both of you. Has there been a lesson that you have learned the hard way? Yeah, for me, there have been many lessons. I'm way older than the rest of you guys, so I've so had a chance to learn a few more <laughs> lessons than you guys. I was talking with some people that we're in community with last night about this very thing. One of the first ones that, that I remember is I, I had an opportunity to go play golf in college at Rice University, which is a really good school. They offered me a scholarship and would have been a tremendous opportunity, but I I didn't have good filters for decision-making at the time. I was 17 years old, and I thought, well, this is the city I grew up in. I really should go away to college. I don't want to just stay around my house or stay around this city. I want to try something new. So I turned down that opportunity, and I went away. And then I bounced from college to college and tried a lot of different Mm -hmm. things and and got into some bad decisions because I, I... I didn't make a good decision to start with, but I learned the hard way how to create filters for good decision-making, how to really evaluate, how to ask other people for help. Um, But I had to flounder for years. And so that was the first time Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, having having to make a, I mean, just learning some hard lessons by life itself. 
Yeah, I think even last week, which is starting the series, something something I'm excited about with the series is not just focusing on the covenants themselves, but looking deeper at God's promises through them. Even what you said, Sean, about, okay, God's promise to Noah, this covenant that he made with Noah, but what's God's promise in it? Because the promise is reveals God's heart for us, not just the head knowledge of the covenant that God made. Wow, that's God a great distinction. Yeah. People, you yeah. know, and versus, yeah, God's promise reveals his heart. And I think even with last week with God's faithfulness and the victory, God's faithfulness through the series too, looking at that, um, I'm the same with college. It really, God reveals himself. My, I'm most thankful with God's faithfulness that he really does. He's faithful to answer my prayers and not answer the ones that are not good for me, you know, and that's what I see in when I, in college, I did not want to come to Texas state and I came kicking and screaming and really did everything I could to avoid coming to Texas state. And then I wanted to do something else. I wanted to be a teacher and then little by little God redirected my steps and I'm here because God redirected me and it's his faithfulness that even and while I was going other directions and have pursued other things, he got me here. And it's really his his faithfulness that gets me here, even while I have not been faithful, that shows me his promise to, you know, continue his will in my life, even while I kind of go around other ways. And now Texas State is one of the best decisions that you've ever <laughs> Absolutely. made. Absolutely. I'm still here. Right. So if, you're, I thought. if you're listening to this and you have someone that is about to go to college that is close to you. Texas State. Texas State State is the place. Well, it worked out for us because we have Paulina close to us. I'm not sure I would push everybody toward the Bobcat Nation, but hey, I mean, you guys, you bounced around to a lot of schools, but you never made. No, didn't. Is there there an opportunity? They didn't allow me in that fine institution. The standards were too high. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're hearing it here first. Is that is that maybe a potential future endeavor for you, Texas State? I need. I need a. I'm at eleven. I need a twelfth school. So if I could (laughs) take a class over there and have it have it knocked out. We are a winning team. My, uh, I was going to share uh, mine, and it was similar to yours, um, Pauline, in college, the things that God taught me. But then I remembered when uh, Taylor and I started fostering and thinking about a great ideal, and, and we made this commitment, hey, we're going to do this. We knew it was going to be difficult, but it didn't compare to actually walking through it, which again mm-hmm. is something that you spoke on so well, uh, Sean, is how God wants us to walk through the heart. He doesn't want us to go around it. He doesn't want us to go above it. We we have to go through. And I can mm-hmm. imagine Noah, how long did you say he was in there? Like 150 days? After the flood, hundred. so that's 190. And then yeah. that was a little bit more. So that's a yeah. long time on a boat. <laughs> yeah. And that 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 was not easy. It started especially. smelling bad at some point, I'm guessing. <laughs> All the animals. <laughs> Plus, think about the weight of knowing that the literally the world is underwater. You mm-hmm. know, there's been this devastating impact on on all of humanity and and yet you are the one that that God that God chose to to continue on. Anyway, that 
going back to hardship through, through fostering, I'm so glad now looking back the things that I learned through the hard things, um, as, as we had different children, uh, in the foster care system in our home. Um, man, I was just so thankful. One of the things that I learned was that I'm, I'm not a savior. Only mm-hmm. Jesus can be a savior. And so my desire to do good for someone, uh, really came to a head when, you know, the, the case or, or the, the situation didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to, mm-hmm. and then allowing God to be God in these children's lives really uh, saved me <laughs> mm-hmm. from the pressure of being Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we only have one mm-hmm. uh, Savior, and and that is Jesus. So speaking to that, speaking to the idea that God allows us to go through hard times so that he can teach us things, uh, let's look at this verse you uh, quoted it. We quote it often. It's John sixteen thirty three. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said this. What does that peace look like in, in your lives? How have you tuned into that peace? And maybe what are some things that distract us from that peace when we're in trouble? There's an interesting story somebody told me a long time ago about a king who commissioned uh, the artist in his kingdom to paint a picture of peace. And so, you know, they got it down to the final three and they brought them to the king to decide which one would win. And one of the pictures was this tranquil pasture setting with sheep kind of resting in the hmm. in the field. Another of the pictures was this, you know, kind of mountain setting uh, and it was beautiful and it was majestic and it was just calming with the lake beside it. And then the third picture was this storm, incredible storm. The seas were banging up against this rock cliff face. Rain was pouring down in the cleft of the rock was this bird that was protected by the rock. And uh, so the king chose and he chose that as, as his perfect wow. picture of peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the story is, you know, that peace is best defined in contrast to mm-hmm. chaos and mm-hmm. trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's what that verse is getting at. That's what I, that's why I love it. I mean, I, I talk to it with my kids about it all the time because I don't want to follow a God who promises everything's going to be great. And then it's not great because yeah. then how do we trust him? But he actually says, it's going to be hard. Yeah. And the contrast is in me, you will find peace. Mm. And so it's, it's both of those. It's acknowledging the world is hard and the world is fallen and things are difficult and I make bad choices. And there's a savior over there who, if I turn to him and I rest in him, he is that protection from the storm. Maybe physically, sometimes he's not the protection, but at the very least, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, he can protect me. Sometimes yeah. physically, I know he protects me as well. So the contrast between God and Jesus in this case, saying, I am, I'm the peace, you'll find it with me. But in this world, if you look there and you focus there, man, it's, it's the beauty of the contrast that makes yeah. that verse powerful to mm. me. Yeah. It reminds me of Jesus sleeping on the boat That's and good. the disciples freaking out, waking him up. You know, it's the same picture, the contrast. Um, I think something that I'm still thinking about from your message Sunday, Sean, is the fact that there was no rudder on the ark. How, I mean, that the meaning there that 
I think that to me is the exact definition of the most, the lack of peace in my life is when I do try to add a rudder, you know, like it's like that swimming against the current. As soon as I try to do that, as soon as I try to add my control, that's the lack of peace more than, I mean, the circumstances on the outside world, but as soon as I try to add my control or my, uh, will against God's will, you know, when, when those things do strike in life or I'm something's happening that causes me to want to grip the wheel hard, you know, and turn it another direction instead of whatever God has, um, for my life. That's, those are the things that really drain and that automatically not because God's, you know, the one against me, but because I'm not trusting and I'm not letting peace, his peace guide, like in Isaiah, where it says being led forth in peace. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when I try to work against God's peace. That's the, those are the red flags that I'm realizing. That's the reason that I get to a place of being really drained instead of what, those that verse describes that that peace of living um having that peace from jesus and being able to stay at peace and having that contrast that even though the chaos is around i can really stay at peace and be like jesus in the boat or noah and his family in the ark that literally have zero control of where that ark is floating around the earth Um, But just knowing that if God directed it, flooded the earth, did what he said he was going to do, he's going to bring the waters back down. And whether it takes however long, he's going to land the boat and he's going to bring it back. That's so good. So true. Yeah. I think about uh, some things that distract me from peace sometimes is uh, not understanding why there's trouble. So I don't think that there's... Um, sometimes, yeah, I, I find myself in times of trouble, like the Beatles song that just kind of popped <laughs> into my head. What is that? Yep. Uh, let it be. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I don't let trouble be or be in peace in Jesus because um, I haven't adequately described why there's trouble. You did that so well in the, the message. Mm-hmm. You said um, we have trouble because of our consequences consequences to the choices that we've made. That's our sin. Uh, We also have trouble because we live in a broken world where other people have made decisions that have impacted us without us really doing anything wrong. You know, we were born into a sinful and broken world, and that includes the sin done to us by, by those around us. And and then the third is that there is an enemy that is out there to kill, steal, and destroy and, and cause havoc. We see all of those ingredients in Genesis 3, and now we see this uh, culmination where He's wanting to restart and he's saying, Hey, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a second chance. So it could be one of those three things that, um, are causing the trouble, all of those three things. Um, but it's important to define that so that Mm -hmm. we can recognize God's not punishing (laughs) me, Mm -hmm. just the consequence Mm -hmm. of my sin. What would you guys say to somebody right now in, in a time of trouble where, it's hard to lift up your head. It's hard to gasp for air. What would you say to somebody in that situation? Yeah, I would say that brokenness is the simplest and clearest path to surrender. And surrender is the clearest path to allow the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Because 
as hard as it is when you're at that point, whatever the reason for the trouble in your life, any of those three that Jose just listed, whichever of those it is, it is good to, to diagnose it and say, you know what, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by the world or I've made terrible choices and I've got bad habits and addictions or, uh, man, the enemy's just winning right now with mm. the death and the loss and the destruction around me. Whatever it is, you diagnose that and then we admit our helplessness. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, we can do some humanly things to try to relieve some pain, but we can't bring healing. God mm-hmm. brings that. And, and when, when, he, when we're broken and defeated, he's near to us. Mm-hmm. And when we surrender and say, I'm not going to try to control this, he swoops in with his love and his kindness and his compassion and his comfort. And so I would say as desperate as it looks, you're probably closer to a connection with the Lord in that desperate place than you are when everything's going great mm-hmm. and you feel like you don't need him because you got it all under control. Mm-hmm. So hang on to the hope that he is near to the brokenhearted and ready to swoop in mm-hmm. with comfort. It's so good. Yeah, I yeah totally agree. I think I have been used to kind of hearing in church the the message of you know God's looking for workers and you know are you ready to say you know God's looking for people to serve Him and so are you ready to say kind of here I am Lord send me. and yeah. send me that and I found this recently in Isaiah fifty eight verse nine and it says then you will call and the Lord will answer you will cry for help and He will say here am I and I think to your point Sean that's a great reminder that God also says here am I when we cry for help and. He doesn't. He is close to the broken hearted. Mm-hmm. And he also says, Here am I. He is not, he does not ignore our cries and he does know exactly where we're at. He's really familiar with right where we're at. So his exactly where you're at, if you are struggling, is not foreign to him. He knows every tear and that's that is so great, spot. Polly. And I'm glad you shared that. And I would say it's not even also, I would think there's a chronological order to it. I would think that yeah. first he's saying, here, here am I. Before he even wants us to say, let me go somewhere, yeah. he first wants to say, no, no, let me show up for you. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what real love, real compassion, you know, let me let me plug plug in with you so that you can exude fruits of the spirit. And then absolutely, I want to hear you as my son or my child say, here am I, Mm. Uh, but let me show up first for you Mm. because otherwise you're going to go out in your own strength and you're probably going to mess it up. Totally. So man, that is, that's so powerful that you found that Isaiah 58, 58. you said Mm. so good. Yeah. God's showing up for us. He does. And he shows up for Isaiah that right Mm -hmm. there in the beginning opening chapters where he does say, yeah, here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then obviously the way that you said it, Isaiah didn't live out the exile, but but he prophesied that it would happen. Can you imagine the burden mm-hmm. of being a prophet with that type of information for people, knowing that what you're going to tell them, it's not going to be comfortable <laughs> mm-hmm. for them to, to, to hear and then endure later on, uh, and you're not going to be liked. And so there is this sense that this uh, understanding that, that God is the way maker and that God chooses to refine us through trials, um, our our comfort isn't really at play here. And yet he's the God of all comfort, right? So let's talk about that a little bit because we know that our our eternity is secure. We talked about that last week, that through Jesus, we have victory. This this past week, we talked about Jesus being the the way maker. Um, So so how, how is it, how can we 
hold those things in balance? How can we find comfort? How can we find um, peace in the idea that it's not going to be easy this side of heaven, but as believers, we, we have an eternal inheritance to look forward to. How has that played out in your lives? Yeah, I think I, I shared a little of that in, in, in examples from my life than in ways and places that, um, man, having that eternal perspective mm. changes my mindset in terms of what I'm facing in the moment. So that's, that's one part of it. You know, what lens am I looking at this through? You know, am I looking at this through a uh, simple earthly lens and, man, this is just really uncomfortable right now? Or, man, I'm watching my kids and they're struggling with things and I'm frustrated with them, I'm disappointed, or am I looking at it through an eternal lens and I'm seeing that God's doing something in me and this this small amount of discomfort is, is preparing me for something? Or um, I'm seeing something in my kids and I'm realizing, man, God is really growing them for yeah. something He's going to use them for later. In the community group that I was talking to last night, we we were sharing around that idea of lessons learned the hard way in Romans 8, 28 is just so alive and real, mm-hmm. you know, that God is at work to redeem those difficult places mm-hmm. in our life. Doesn't mean he orchestrates them always. Doesn't mean that that we, our choices didn't get us there, but he'll figure out a way. And if you got a long enough eternal perspective, you mm-hmm. can come back and you can you can see that. But that's the balance. I think it takes both too, because if you only have it, I know people that only have an eternal perspective and that's like the earth doesn't matter to them anymore and nothing around here matters and yeah. nothing's going to bother them. And you're ineffective. Yeah. And they don't yeah. feel genuine. They don't yeah. feel authentic. And you know, it's, it's too lofty. So it's the balance of those two things, being able to hold this eternal perspective while still feeling the emotion and the, then the reality of the current situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the the line of death, an earthly death to the non-believer is a brick wall, you know, and that's it. And then to, like you said, someone that doesn't have that only has an earthly perspective is like a fog, you know, where it's not a line. And I think that letting that be somewhere in between, you know, of just having the being able to maintain a loose, like being able to see all of it, all of from now, you know, from where I exist right now in time to eternity and see it as a whole, which not saying, I don't know how you do that, but I'm just thinking I want to, that's something I want to be able to do is to see like in the things that I'm still like the things I'm waiting on, I want to be able to wait on them in whole, not just wait on them on this side of the line. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to wait on them, even if I'm waiting on them and God completes them in on the eternity side, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was just talking to someone that maybe is trying to deal with something, a door that closed that they may be waiting on that justice for that in eternity and that door closed and it's like, okay, well, now they're trying to wrestle with how do we make peace with that? Knowing that that door closed on waiting, you know, on that justice being accomplished on this side Mm -hmm. of eternity, you know, like they might have to wait on it in eternity getting that in eternity. And I think if we just, we can't, that can't be a brick wall as believers. It has to extend knowing that God's going to complete that on, even if it is in the new heaven and the new earth. And I think really practically, because that feels really, you know, kind of in the clouds, I think practically it's 
what helps me is getting around people that as, as someone who is younger, I think getting around people that are older, because it really is, you know, like different seasons of life, that part gets, it really, you know, like when you're with someone that may be grieving someone, you know, or it gives you perspective and people that not even just on age, but people that are dealing with things that are different from what I'm dealing with. It just gives you that perspective that, you can have a more holistic, you know, understanding of an eternal mindset. As you're describing that, Paulina, the, the, the descriptive word that comes to mind to me is, is hope, right? That, that, that that's what hope is. And, uh, it says that, you know, trials, Romans chapter, was it five Mm -hmm. verses three through five Mm -hmm. say that trials, you know, if we're willing to persevere through that Mm -hmm. produce perseverance and that Mm -hmm. perseverance develops our character and the character that's developed is really this hope this hope that's in Jesus and even when we don't see the the outcome and and so mm-hmm. the balance of those that you're describing yeah. is you know how do we how do we hold on to that hope in the midst of difficult circumstances we have to have that eternal perspective to have hope and man what you said about finding people that are a little further along in their journey or finding somebody else is so important because i've found in life you can borrow hope from somebody yeah. you ever done yeah. that like you like yeah. i am hopeless but somebody shows up with, mm. to encourage you and you borrow some of yeah. their hope you know it's like well i don't have my own but i'm just gonna borrow some of your hope because yeah. you seem like you have something that i need right now we can do that for mm. each other which is why community is so that's powerful it. that's mm. it and if we stay in community and we borrow hope from each other we we have other people speak in the eternal perspective even we see all the pain and we have other people entering in the pain with us this life is manageable, and God makes a way. Mm. He makes a way. He makes a way. We follow Jesus. He is the ultimate way maker. I love that you put that verse yeah. from John. Jesus said, I am the way, the yeah. truth, and the life. He was asked, um, um, you know, uh, how will we know the way? And and he said, I, I'm, he's no longer going to be there, right, Jesus? And so his disciples are saying, hey, well, what about us? <laughs> and he says, no, you, you already know the way. I am. I am the way. And so all of this comes with following him mm-hmm. and knowing him and being his disciples here on earth. I love the baptisms that we're celebrating mm-hmm. because that that those are those are new folks coming in that are saying, I'm I'm gonna follow Jesus. I, I'm I'm gonna follow his way of living life and through that comes hope and and all these things. This has been fun. I yeah. don't know if you guys have anything else that you guys want to share, but Sean, you did a great job well, on Sunday you. morning. Yeah, I just want to conclude by saying Almost every account I studied in the Bible of God making a way was a way that the person in the Bible never could have imagined. It it was unbelievable. You know, showing up next to a river with an army bearing down on you, no one's imagination could have parted the river and then walked through and then the river come crush that, that, you know, Noah could not have imagined that God would have taken care of the wickedness and redeemed his family through through that ark. And so... If you're listening and you're in a desperate situation, your human mind probably will not be able to fathom the way that God makes through it. Trust Him, though. Thanks for listening to The Conversations podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.